this morning a warm, warm welcome. Delighted to be here and to share God's word. The word glory, what is it that perhaps comes to mind when you see and when you think of the word glory? Perhaps it's this, this next um, slide. The glory of the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. Glory. Maybe it's this next slide. The glory of creation. I remember when I lived in France once, finding myself in the heart of the Alps on a dark, dark evening and just sitting outside our chalet, just looking at the glory of the mountains and feeling so, so small. The glory of creation. Perhaps this next one also, you might think of glory, the glory of art, music. Good art, good music reflects something of the creativity of God's heart. Glory. I wonder, is this next slide something you think of when you think of glory? Glory? Death? Darkness? Blood? Pain? Sin? Maybe our understanding of glory needs to be changed. And maybe we need to see what glory really is. That's the journey that we're going to go on this morning. John's Gospel, we continue this morning um, looking at this amazing gospel, a journey in John's Gospel. And we are in chapter 12, and we are going to explore and find out about this key thought. Jesus is glorified. Will you say that with me? Jesus is glorified. Do you want to say it with a bit of like... Yeah. Jesus is glorified. Let's go to John 12 and begin to unpack the glory of Jesus. John chapter 12, verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. That's the Passover. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Let's just pause there for a minute. These are Greeks. These are people who are not Jewish, and they are not sure. Though they want to see Jesus, they're not sure if Jesus wants to see them. Can I tell you this morning that if you want to see Jesus, Jesus wants to see you. I don't care what your ethnic background, what your week has been like. If you want to see Jesus, you will see him this morning. Here's Jesus' reply to the request. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world 
will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Jesus is glorified. Before we unpack that in John chapter 12, I want us just to pull back and think a little bit about what exactly is God's glory and what does it mean to give God glory. This um, slide perhaps might help you. Um, This is the football team that I support, and we are winning the league. It's done, it's dusted, just give up the rest of you. Chelsea are champions. Okay, it's that a bit apart. This is from a couple of seasons ago. The legend that was um, Didier Drogba, he was from Marseille, so of course he's a legend. And he was playing his last match before leaving Chelsea. And on that day, um, as Chelsea won, as they often do, um, Drogba was lifted up by his team, carried on their shoulders around the stadium. And the whole stadium stood to a man and applauded. Why? Because they believed that he was a legend. They believed there was something in him of glory. God's glory is his very being. Guys, as Andrew said earlier, God doesn't need to give us anything for him to be glorious. He already is glorious. The glory of God in his very being, in his divine, uncreated and dependent on no one being, God is glorious. Say amen. And the word glory, when you find it in the Bible, it means this, wit, something that has significance, something that has matter. God's glory, I say to you this morning, has ultimate significance and carries ultimate weight. One of my favorite, perhaps my favorite African-American preacher is a guy called Eric Mason. I love the way he preaches his passion for God, and I love the way he starts in his prayers. Now, Show me some grace, because I'm going to quote you something he said. He's African-American, I'm Caucasian-Irish. Okay? Go for it. I've got permission from Sam. So indulge with me and feel, whether, whether you're black or white, feel what's in this. This is how he prayed recently in a sermon. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you would show yourself the boss that you are. Lord God, I pray that you would throw your weight around and be glorified in this place. May your saints be edified and may your enemies be horrified. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. And those who agree with me said, Man, may God throw his weight around. I pray that as we unpack the glory of Jesus and the glory of God, that he would throw his weight around. Guys, listen to me. 
when we grasp something of the reality of the significance and weight of God's glory, and we bring that into our lives, everything else will change. You rearrange your life. You rearrange the furniture when you give place to God and His glory. And so may God's glory impact you this morning and change everything. Amen? God's glory. What does it mean for you and I to glorify God, to give God glory? It has become, unfortunately, a bit of a mantra, a bit of a cliché. But if God is glorious, if he carries this weight in his very being, then you and I surely have to think more carefully about what it is to glorify this amazing God. To glorify God means at least these couple of things. To glorify God is to recognize his weight and to honor him with passion. Can I say that again? To glorify God is to recognize his weight and to honor him with passion. Amen? God's glory getting a grip of me will lead me to rejoice in that glory. I am staggered when I get glimpses of God's glory. And I am passionate about God's glory. Are you? Or is God's glory just somewhere on the periphery? Recognizing his weight and honoring him with passion. But I think the second thing that to glorify God means is this. It is putting his glory on display. Whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That means in the nitty-gritty of life. I am to glorify God. I am to make God look great. How does that look in your life? What you're eating, what you're drinking, and whatever you're doing. Do it all for the glory of God. So, back to John chapter 12. Woo. And let's begin with those two thoughts in our minds to unpack Jesus being glorified. Let's go back to John 12, verse 23. This is Jesus' reply to those who are seeking him. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Jesus Christ will be shown to be great. He will be glorified, first of all, in his death. He says, the hour has come for him to be glorified. Several times already in John's gospel, if you remember, we've met Jesus saying, the hour has not yet come. 
And now he's saying the hour has come. By that he means his death on the cross. Let's remember that when Jesus dies on the cross, no one takes his life from him. He lays it down. He is now about to be glorified. Many people around us, perhaps maybe some of you this morning, you look at the cross and you see defeat. And you see darkness. And it looks like mankind is winning. God looks at the cross and says this is a glorious victory. In and through the death of Jesus, he is glorified. Guys, do you get that this morning? I've often thought that Jesus is glorified having gone through death and then he will be exalted. That is true to an extent. But John is saying in his very death, there is something glorious happening. He is glorified in death. Yes, the glory of creation, the glory of the heavens, the glory of art, but the glory of Jesus on the cross. We should not be ashamed of the death of Jesus. We should not be embarrassed by it. We should find glory in it. Isaiah says, as he, centuries before Jesus came, writes in Isaiah 52, See, my servant, that's Jesus. He will prosper. He will be raised, that is raised on the cross, and lifted up and highly exalted. The cross of Jesus is a glorious thing, not a defeat. And in that glorious victory we stand this morning. The glory of Jesus in his very death. Jesus is also glorified, made to, be, made to be seen to be great by the Father. Jesus never, never once seeks his own glory. I read through part of John this week, and I'm not sure if this is accurate. So if it's not accurate, be kind to me, Okay. But it seems that almost when you read through John's gospel that God the Father and Jesus the Son are trying to outdo each other as to who gets the glory. And God is saying, listen to my Son. This is my beloved Son. I love Him. He will be glorified. Amen? And then Jesus says, I do nothing unless the Father says He will be glorified. Both of them are being glorified. I love that. But never, ever does Jesus seek to glorify himself. John 8, verse 50 and verse 54. Jesus, I am not seeking glory for myself, but there is one who seeks it. He is the judge. That's God. Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. The God, the Father, glorifies Jesus and says, look at him. 
That's what I want us to do this morning. Jesus is glorified in his death. He's glorified by God the Father. Jesus is glorified through us. He goes on to say, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, put your hand up. You are a seed. He, Jesus, the single seed, dies to bring us into salvation. Amen. This room is full of lives, of testimonies that are to the glory of who? Jesus, God. If a grain remains on its own, it produces nothing. Jesus said, I will be that grain. I will die and I will produce a harvest. Thank God. Look around you guys. Look at the harvest. Look at the harvest across our nation. Look at the harvest across this world. God is building his church. The harvest is great and we are not yet finished. He is glorified in and through those who follow him. But there's one last thing in this thought of Jesus being glorified and it's really practical. Jesus says, anyone who loves their life will lose it. While anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Not only does my salvation glorify Jesus because he's the Savior, but my discipleship must glorify him. If I hold on to my life, I lose it. If I give up my life, I find it. And we say amen to that, but we don't do it. Guys, may God stir in you. And listen carefully to what I say. May God stir in you a reckless faith that says, I don't have to calculate and play it safe and make sure everything's in place. I can take a step to trust the God who loves me. I can abandon my life to him, and in abandoning my life, I live. Please stop playing it safe. Step out in faith. Give up your life, and you will find it. Amen. Jesus is glorified. And this last bit, as John continues to give us what Jesus says, the spotlight turns now to God being glorified. How is God glorified? Let's pick up verse 27. Now, Jesus says, my soul is troubled and what will I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. 
The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus says, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for the judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. God is glorified. How is he glorified in what Jesus is about to do? Last night, um, along with some of you guys here, I had the privilege of being at Nhi's 40th birthday. Nhi, are you here this morning? Have you recovered from your celebrations? There he is. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Nee. Happy birthday to you. Woo! And I know he doesn't look 40. But last night we had an amazing evening, a celebration, and it was in his honor. His name was everywhere. And we went to honor this man. And I don't think, Ni, you ever said during the last weeks, I don't want to be honored. You might have said, I'm not sure what's happening. (laughs) Jesus is about to be glorified, honored by God. And yet he says, my soul is deeply troubled. As Jesus anticipates the glory that will be his from the Father, he says, my heart is troubled. I think sometimes we do Jesus the disservice of thinking that because he was the son of God, that somehow going to and anticipating and going through the cross was, was almost easy. My Savior Jesus, as he anticipates the glory that God will receive in his death on the cross, says, God, this is so hard. The word that Jesus used when he says he's troubled, it means he is in horror, in anxiety. His heart is agitated. And he's asking, it's not a question, he's actually praying, God, save me. Save me from this hour. He knows before him is the horror of death, the horror of the Son, Jesus, being separated from the Father. And yet, no, it was for this reason that I come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. How is God glorified? Listen. He is glorified in Jesus' obedience. What struck me as I read that this week is this. 
Jesus' obedience is not simply a moral obedience. He is obeying from his heart that God would be glorified. I pray that in your struggles, in the decisions you have to make where you're being swayed one way or the other, that the glory of God will drive you to obedience. Because it is worth it, guys. And may your obedience be more than a moral thing, not less. But may your obedience come from your heart because you are deciding to do something which the world might think is crazy, but you are going to glorify God. What does that look like in your life? I talked with someone this week, a dear friend, struggling with a relationship that this person knows is not good. And I'm going, listen. Your obedience, I know, is costly, but if you obey out of a heart that loves God, it is worth it. And God will not be your debtor. He will bless you. What does it look like in your life to obey out of a heart that says, Father, in this moment, in this decision, you be glorified. God is glorified through Jesus' obedience. God is glorified through the defeat of Satan. Now, Jesus says, that's the cross. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Good Friday, the cross of Jesus looks like Satan's one. Looks like Jesus is defeated. It is in fact Jesus' total victory and Satan's decisive defeat. Jesus' death is not Satan's triumph. Jesus' death is his victory. Jesus, through his death, listen to me, tramples all over sin, death, and hell, and Satan. Amen? That is our Jesus, glorified in defeating and in casting out Satan. Have you grown tired yet of sin in your life and Satan? I hope you have a holy anger against Satan in your life. I am tired of his lies, tired of his deception, sorry for the moments where I fall for the lie. But in Jesus, standing in him, placing myself in Christ, I can also overcome Satan. This is our faith that overcomes the world. May you know that victory. Paul takes up the thought, and Andrew quoted it earlier from Colossians 2. This is what Paul says as he thinks of the victory of the cross and Satan being defeated. He has taken it, that is, Jesus has taken away the record of sin against us. Guys, this morning in Jesus, you are forgiven. The record that stood against you has been nailed to the cross. 
nailing it to the cross. And listen, having disarmed, say disarmed, Jesus in his death disarms the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In the cross of Jesus, which looks to the world like defeat, Jesus fatally wounds Satan. His days are numbered. He is destined for hell. Hell was made for Satan and his angels. Satan has been wounded fatally. He knows his days are numbered, but he is still our enemy and he fights dirty. He has been dethroned. He has been disarmed. Revelation says, those who follow Jesus, They triumph over him, that is Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Put your hands together and say, thank you for the blood of the Lamb and the power of your testimony. Jesus is glorified because Satan is crushed. Two thoughts about being disarmed. If you're going to disarm somebody, you need to be greater than them, don't you? Some of you big guys in church today, I would have a job disarming you because you're big. Have a go. Do you want to? No, okay. (laughs) Jesus disarms Satan because Jesus is greater than Satan. And he disarms him of two of his key weapons. The weapon that Satan loves to use against us, accusation. He is the accuser of the followers of Jesus. And you and I need to understand in our hearts the difference between the Holy Spirit putting his finger on something that is wrong, that we need to confess, and the devil, the liar, the deceiver accusing us. And when he accuses us, we overcome him by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of our testimony. Satan has no authority over you. And when he comes to me and he says, Paul, yet again you have fallen in sin. I said, you have no authority. Out! And in Jesus' name, I come to the Father and I say, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, who died for my sins. And he, Jesus, brings me to the Father and the Father embraces me. Satan, out. You have, no, you have nothing on me. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. You are defeated. You are disarmed. Disarmed of his accusation. Most glorious. Whoa. God is glorified through the fact that Satan is disarmed of his most lethal weapon, death. Hebrews chapter 2. Since the children have flesh and blood, he, Jesus, 
He too shared in their humanity. So listen, by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. May God throw his weight around this morning. May that touch your heart that death has been defeated. We have nothing to fear when our day comes. Amen? Death defeated. His greatest, most lethal weapon, he has been disarmed of it. And God is glorified in this. God is glorified because salvation is available for all people. Jesus, when I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all people. Say all people. Turn to your neighbor and say all people. When I am lifted up, Jesus said, I will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. My simple point from that is this. If you are seeking Jesus, he is drawing you to him and you are included, not excluded. That is seriously good news, guys. He will draw all people to himself. Are you thankful that God in his grace won your heart and drew you to him? Yep. That your heart has been won over. And if this morning for some reason on your journey you've not yet connected with God through Jesus, then this morning is your opportunity. He is drawing you not only to Gorgi, but he's got you and Gorgi to draw you to Jesus. And I pray this morning that some of you will respond by faith. God is glorified through salvation for all people. And God is glorified lastly through us as his disciples living for God's glory. Do you know what? You and I, on this earth, in this city, by the grace of God which has saved us, can live to the glory of God. That's amazing. God can find pleasure in what we do and how we live and the decisions that we make. Other glories around you cannot carry the weight that only God can carry. So many of us, we live for the glory of sports, the glory of people, the glory of family, the glory of children, the glory of our career, our exams. None of those things can carry the weight that you demand of them. Not only if you put your trust there will they disappoint you, you will break them. Please don't live for anything or anyone other than the glory of God.
and living for God's glory also means it changes how I face life's tough seasons. Hands up this morning. If in the last year you have gone through a season that you would look on as a tough season. Let's be honest. Most hands are up in the room. We go through tough seasons. And understanding who Jesus is and understanding the glory of God that we seek to live for changes how we go through our tough seasons. Listen to this. This is Paul writing. Therefore, even though we have tough seasons, we do not lose heart. Say amen to that. Though outwardly we are wasting away, though outwardly we're 40 (laughs) or more. Though we are outwardly wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our, listen, light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, not on the season, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, what is unseen is eternal. Whatever name you give to that tough season that you put your hand up and testified to. I don't know what it looks like and what it felt like. Maybe it's still a tough season. And Paul is saying that if we live for the glory of God, we lift our eyes above the season and we compare what we are going through with the glory that will be ours, which outweighs the season which was tough. Amen? So in the midst of your tough season this morning, and you say it's not light and it's not momentary, I get that, guys. But if you have the right perspective, then you begin to believe by faith that this season, though hard, is light and momentary compared to the eternal glory. We're going somewhere. And we will be glorified. So in the midst of the season, lift your eyes and look to the glory that is yet to come because it is out of this world. Amen? So may God bring that by his spirit into your heart. John 12, Jesus is glorified. We thought of God's glory, his weight, That we would want him to show his glory, to throw his weight around, so to speak. We've thought about what it looks like to glorify God. We've looked at Jesus. We've asked questions about how we might live. I'm going to invite the guys up and they're going to lead us in a couple of songs. I'm going to ask you guys to stand with me as we respond. 
And before we sing our first song, we're just going to take time to pray. So can I ask you to stand to your feet, please?